0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crystal Clodcast, the internet's number one, definitely best ever show ever. Not not just about Steven Universe, just the best show on the internet. Uh, I'm your host, Laura. I'm here as ever this week with Mia. Hello. You can uh, find me... Oh, hi! on, Saturday. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> self-promote. I forget that's how we do things. Well, no, we,
1: we start with self-promotion and end with self-promotion. Yeah, so. you
0: know, we do self-promotion at the start, so people don't have the option of switching off before we self-promote. Um, so. Well, I, I imagine
1: most people last about 10 minutes and turn off, so I want to get that self-promotion
0: in nice and early. Exactly. Let's use up <laughs> as much of that 10 minutes with self-promotion as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you on the internet, Mia? Um, you can find me on Twitter at @omiagod. Uh, we're also here this week as ever with Rata.
2: Hi. You can find me everywhere at Supa Rata.
0: Hooray. Right. and we also have a special guest here this week. Ooh, ah. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah, are you, are you this terrified of us already? I'm, I'm just not that special. It's yeah, uh... here you're clearly this special. Is, this
3: you're, is incorrect. You're nice. the first.
0: You're the first person who's ever been a guest on this show. So you're lying you... to the public again, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> so our special guest this week is Wes. Hello, Wes. Hello. You're you're, right? you're, you're here because you watch that Steven Universe and whatnot. I am. Yeah. And you like having thoughts on it and stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I think a lot about stuff. Yeah, I think a
3: lot about Steven Universe, so
0: that is good. And we specifically got you on for this one because there's there's a, there's a particular episode that you might have some input on just, from this batch. Maybe just a little bit, just a bit, just so a little. It's an episode we we've been teasing for a while, and you'll you'll know which one it is if you if you've looked ahead at what episodes we're doing this week. So, um, this week we are doing uh, we are talking about episode forty on the run, episode forty one horror club episode 42, Winter Forecast, episode 43, Maximum Capacity, and episode 44, Marble Madness. So, first up is On The Run. Does anyone have anywhere they'd like to start us off? Um,
1: I think this is, maybe not the first time, but a significant time when we see how insecure Amethyst really is. The theme of this episode is basically her... Showing that there's a lot more going on kind of under the surface that she kind of covers up with mm-hmm. bravado and confidence and maybe the rest of the Crystal Gems aren't aware of that's the yeah. case.
0: Yeah, it's, there seems to be a big theme in this episode of Amethyst tries to hide how much she struggles with things mm. and then gets very frustrated that people don't know how much she's struggling with yeah. things, which is a very human thing to do, I think, this idea of like, I don't want to show that I'm struggling, but also shouldn't it be obvious that I'm struggling? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: I know a lot about that.
0: (laughs) As someone who struggles with chronic pain. Yeah, I have
2: chronic pain, so I know a lot about putting on a face that I'm not in chronic pain and then being
0: like, why does no one understand I'm in pain? Um, So there's a couple of interesting bits I thought at the start of this episode. Um, The episode starts off with some discussion of homeworld backstory that we've not really had up to this point, there were some gems that tried to do something very bad that would have damaged the Earth, mm. which is obviously an allusion forward to they were trying to mine the Earth for resources and then they were going to blow it up with the cluster, which mm. would have been very bad for
1: Earth. And you can see as well, Pearl is very panicked about the idea yeah. that this happening again. Like, we were talking before that Pearl is always the very kind of the one who seems to be kind of in control of the situation, but here we see her completely out of a depth of the idea
0: of Homeworld Jams coming back. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm going to do another segment of the, 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 the segment I love characters in Steven Universe with Autistic Spectrum Traits. Woo! There's the jingle. I make up a new jingle for it every time because I always forget that. It's a recurring segment.
1: I love how, like, I knew that must be where you were going. When you were like, this, yeah. this is the part. I was like, okay, here we go. This is the part. Right? <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, it <laughs>
0: always happens. So there's a few... I think there's a few bits of it in this batch of episodes. But um, Stephen uses a piece of media to understand and relate to something going on in life. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm, I'm understanding this life experience through the lens of media. Uh, because he uses the no Home Boys to be like, <laughs> oh, I... You're, you're you're like these people from this book, therefore I've read a book about people who are homeless, now I understand what the gems are. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you what does it feel like to be cast out from your planet because of a rebellion. No, just I'll assume that you're like homeless people with bindles on
3: a train. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is the difference, really? Clearly <laughs> not very much, clearly apparently. Not very much.
0: Um, so, there is something that is said about the No Homeboys book that I think is very much also talking about Stephen and Amethyst in this episode. I can see Retta nodding. Do you <laughs> know where I'm going with this?
2: Maybe. You you say it and I'll say if um, I think the same thing.
0: Um, they're running from the very fear that lie lay within themselves. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, oh, they were running from their own fear. Oh, that might be someone. Cough, cough, Amethyst. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, there's also the other thing um, Stephen says, they've got no past, no future. And I think it's also a way of Stephen trying to break away from these massive expectations that other people have of him. So he's kind of like, I'm going to get away from that for a while and just be a no home boy.
1: Yeah, I wonder as well if that's um, related to Amethyst and the idea that like she has no home.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like she
1: has kind of no past
2: because no one talks about her past. Mm. Everyone refuses to. It's kind of like it doesn't exist. It's a yeah. dirty little secret. You got any
3: thoughts on this? Uh... Not especially, I mean, it's kind of, I found a lot of this one to be fairly upfront about the issues that were going on. They weren't particularly like, like they normally do where they go, let's have a subtle undercurrent of extra issue. Mm. This was very in your face about how people were feeling and the fact that nobody was trying to relate to everyone else's feelings in like a circle of Mm. negativity. Yeah, like they literally go on the run from their problems.
0: I, I think it's really telling as well that like, the, it, it's very telling that Amethyst doesn't talk about her feelings in that 40 episodes in, the first we know of she she doesn't come from Homeworld is during the song on the run, Home's a Place That I Have Never Known. 40 episodes in, that's the first hint we get that, <laughs> yeah. oh, maybe she's a bit sad that she's not from Homeworld. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not a thing anyone talks about. Mm. It's very striking as well, and
1: Amethyst is often the most kind of jokey and relaxed character. And then we, we see now and then these glimpses of, like, she's actually the most kind of insecure of the whole bunch.
2: That happens a lot with people, though. That's true. We talked about this <laughs> yeah. in the other episode, I think. Yeah, They're I like, think we did.
1: People who are very jokey and relaxed are often the ones covering up something else.
0: Yeah. I like that in this episode, Stephen clearly has a very immature view of homelessness. <laughs> um, for him, it's a fun game to play pretend. It's like, okay, yeah, I've yeah. decided I'm not homeless anymore.
1: Yeah, I like that bit. It shows that... Um, for Stephen, is all a joke. There's that yeah. bit where it's like, it was, it's a game, not a joke. When he's like, okay, I'm done now. Yeah, I'm it's finished. like,
0: <laughs> yeah. books have led me to believe that hay is a lot softer than it is. Okay, <laughs> I've got no food. We're done. Let's yeah. go home
1: now. It's it's because, like, they've both gone on the run together, Stephen and Amethyst, but they're obviously not in the same mindset. To Amethyst, they're seriously leaving, but to Stephen, mm. it's a game. Yeah, no,
3: um... I was just going to say, it kind of adds on that he's not particularly exposed to anything either. We see later yeah. on in the episode, Pearl is like, we weren't going to tell him this.
0: Mm. Yeah, it, this so comes up time and time again. Nobody tells him again. anything. Yeah. It comes up time and time again. He has a really sheltered view of the realities of life. And yeah. again, it draws back to like pieces of media are often his view at like, oh, this yeah. is what life is like. Because he doesn't really have any first-hand experience of human life
2: i think it's quite damaging as well though because like the way that pearl says it is he's not ready yeah and underestimating Stephen has become a problem over and over and over again so you would think that she would learn her lesson to not he's kind of the
1: theme of the show at this point well,
0: yeah <laughs> we're, we're, we're at the point where garnet at least um in this batch of episodes we do see garnet is like okay maybe we should start trusting Stephen mm. more often Garnet's getting there. The rest of them are playing catch yeah. up. Um, I
2: think it's easier for Garnet though. We've said it before in a past episode,
0: but with her future vision going on, she gets more of an insight. Yeah, like she she knows it's all yeah. going to work mm-hmm. out. <laughs> um, so Amethyst takes them all to the kindergarten, and this is our first look at like, oh, there were a lot of gems on Earth, and mm-hmm. there's something I really like here. We've had. We know that as the show goes on, Amethyst ends up having quite a close connection with Stephen over those insecurities and things. This is one of the first times that Amethyst and Stephen have something to relate over, at least as far as Amethyst sees it. Because Amethyst relates to Stephen because they're both gems that were made on Earth. Mm. And Mm. even though Stephen's is a very separate situation, he was very deliberately made and no one on the gems, is hiding or trying to ignore how he was created. She's there like, it's the closest I've got is someone else that is from here. It's someone that I can relate to on some level about that.
2: I think with Amethyst as well, she as well as Stephen, they both feel like they have a lesser standing with the gems. Mm. Because it's kind of like everyone looks to Garnet or Pearl, depending on what they're doing at the time, for advice on where to go with it. But with Amethyst and Stephen, they're both always kind of like, oh, well, they're just Amethyst and Stephen. Mm.
0: Definitely. Um, I think there's also a certain amount to be said for no one likes to talk about the fact that Rose died. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> you know, might help with the relating to Stephen bit. Um I just wanted to say that when Amethyst uh, reverses into her hole without moving and just kind of suctions back <laughs> into the hole. Yeah. Creepy as heck.
1: Yeah, well, everything about the kindergarten kind of tells us that this is a bad place. It's mm. very dark, it's very muted, and the music is very dark as well. It's, it, dream- yeah, it's
2: really ominous as kind of the yeah, music. Yeah, like
1: Amethyst is acting really like, happy and bouncy and kind of like, oh, it's that, that rock, my favourite rock. But everything about... <laughs> everything else in the program is telling us, like,
3: this is something kind of going on here that's not right. It looks almost too much, though, doesn't it? Like, yeah. It's way too energetic yeah, somewhere with that kind of vibe. Yeah. It's like, um...
0: hey, no, this isn't a bad place. This is my home, <laughs> therefore I have to love it. So many because... traumatic memories associated yeah. with this, but it's okay! <laughs> also, she made friends with an inanimate object. Uh, inanimate object. Cough, cough, autistic spectrum <laughs> traits. Um... So, yeah, Pearl turns up and she questions how much Amethyst, like, Amethyst, how much have you told Stephen? Stephen's not ready. Yeah, mm. Pearl, as we said, is very, like, we shouldn't be talking to Stephen about the realities of what happened. They're, they're trying to shelter him to a probably detrimental degree. Mm, I agree. At mm-hmm. this point. Like, it's probably helpful to understand, like, this is where the gems came from, and this is what happened, and this... Like, give give, give him some context. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, he's proved himself enough times by now. Like, yeah. Like, there's enough justification for Pearl to who've actually started to trust him.
0: Yeah, so there's, there's a bunch of stuff here that I imagine we've probably written some of these lines down, because Amethyst does some lashing out. She feels like an embarrassment, like she's a bad gem. Are there any particular lines that anyone took note of that they're like, these are things I want to talk about?
2: Have you got
3: one? I got one, I yeah. Um, rather than, like, we all hear the um, I didn't ask to be made one like over and over again. Yeah. But the line before it was uh, something like, I'm not going to let you stand there and remind me of everything I hate about myself. Oh gosh, I yeah. Had that one too. So many levels of relatable.
0: Exactly. It's It's this really interesting line that's just like hey, yeah, I have all these terrible insecurities. I don't need you reminding me of them. like, And trying to distance yourself from the people that make you feel worse about the things you don't like about yourself. Yeah. Which I can certainly relate mm-hmm. to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I had a few down here. Um, so the one I really liked is when they—they they, uh, Pearl and Amethyst start fighting, Pearl says, Amethyst, stop this, you can't beat me. And Amethyst's response is, I don't care. Like, she already, she knows that she is, in terms of pure fighting strength, inferior to Pearl. Mm. That doesn't change the fact that she has all of this aggression, this frustration, this passion that she feels the need to get out. And it's like, I don't care if I don't win. I need to try.
1: Yeah, she has to lash
0: out. She has to get that
1: energy out. She's not intending to actually win the fight.
0: Yeah. So then we also have I never asked for it to be this way. I never asked to be made. Um a bunch of the lines that come after this definitely sound like the guilt felt by a child of an unwanted pregnancy. Yep, one hundred. Um there are varying situations it could be. It could be an accidental child in a loving relationship. There are lines that sound almost like Okay, this is the child that's a product of sexual assault or something.
1: Yeah, it, it's the
0: vibe I got. It's, honestly, I don't know if there was a specific line that gave me that vibe, but there were times I got that vibe.
2: Well, Pearl says to Amethyst that she isn't a mistake, but oh, she is the byproduct of a you're, mistake. You're the only
0: good thing that, that came, came out, out of a something. A horrible uh, situation. Out of a horrible situation. Um, mm. yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking for the line. Uh, you're not the mistake. You're just the byproduct of a big mistake. Um. I never thought of you as this. None of this is your fault. Um, I hope you can forgive me. You're the one good thing that came out of this mess. And yeah, it's a really... It's one of those examples of like the show abstracting away from it slightly, but talking about something that's going to be relatable for a probably... There's going to be a, a sizable number of people mm, that that's going to be relatable for. Is like, hey... Finding out that you were the byproduct of an accident is not a good thing to hear, but, you know, you can work
3: through it. And it's okay, and you can still be loved, and you can yeah. still be wonderful. It's kind of interesting, though, to wonder where that came from. Because we we've seen how she interacted with Rose when Rose was still around, and it seemed like everything was really nice and sort of rosy and <laughs> happy and stuff. So you've got, like... It, it makes a lot of sense but i'm just curious where that actually well, comes from i i have a thought on it and i don't
0: know if any of you agree is when the gems were fighting the ho- uh, the crystal gems were fighting the homeworld gems amethyst was getting to fight actively against the place that she came from and her life at that time was based around yes that's where i came from but i can define myself by fighting against that and pushing back against it Once Homeworld are gone, and the Kindergarten is no longer an active part of what's going on, she's no longer got the Kindergarten to be pushing back against, and at that point it's no longer, we're acknowledging the Kindergarten because you're fighting against it and you're great for fighting against it, it's now the thing we don't talk about. And that's probably the turning point, is once the war stopped, it was no longer a thing that was brought up, and isn't it great
3: that you're fighting against it, it's now not a thing we talk about. Mm. Here's this thing you you sort of did. You don't really have much choice about it. Now, let's move on and forget it because it's uncomfortable for the rest of us. Yeah, where Mm -hmm.
0: she's like, no, I want to acknowledge it. I don't want to have to ignore my home. And I like where this ends up going in that, because from here she views very insularly the kindergarten as her home. Eventually we reach a point where she views the earth as her home. Mm. And that's her sort of plot progression here is like, What's the, um, it's that extended theme, the the extended theme tune they released. the Earth
1: is the only place yeah. I've ever known.
0: Uh, yeah, I will fight for the, the world I was, was made in, the Earth is the this only thing, thing ever I've ever known. known yeah. It's like, she eventually does get to this point of, I don't have to feel like I was made in this specific place, therefore that's the baggage I have. It's like, no, I'm from Earth, and mm. Earth has all these good things, so maybe I am good as well. Mm. And it's nice that she does get that progression, but... It's also understandable why she has this anxiety about the kindergarten itself, mm. so...
2: Well, she also has the same sort of issues that Stephen has, which is not interacting with anyone like herself. Because there are no other gems made on Earth in their little group of people, so she doesn't get to interact yeah. with anyone.
0: Yeah. Well, that's it. Like, she feels alone because there's no other kindergarten gems there. Yeah. But she ends up bonding with Stephen because there are other Earth gems. Yeah. <laughs> she just has to expand her circle slightly. Um, so that's everything I've got for this episode. Have any of you got anything else? Like, Feel free to rewind back. Um, anything that we've not discussed that you had in your notes?
1: I think that's everything I had.
2: I just had one thing about um, when Amethyst is fighting Pearl, she does a thing like where she spins up. Mm. And it reminded me of when she, in later episodes, when they, she becomes Smokey Quartz and they have the yo-yos. Yeah. So it's
0: like, so that's definitely come from Amethyst's side of that fusion. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Um, Anything else? Or is it time for the next episode? I think that's it. Okay. So next up we have episode 41, Horror Club. This is the one that every time we've mentioned, hey, trans man Lars headcanon, and then, like, not gone into further detail... This is the episode we've been waiting mm-hmm. for, so we're going to get get this whole one out of the way. So um, we'll get through the episode in semi-chronological order, and then I suspect toward the end we're going to hit a point to just talk about Transman Mars for ages. So have, have fun when we get to that, folks. Um, so it starts with, there's going to be a horror party at um, Ronaldo's house, and... Lars doesn't want to go, turns out Sadie's going, therefore I guess Lars is going to go.
1: Yeah, that's definitely the thing that changes his mind, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, Sadie's going, okay, yeah, I'll mm-hmm. come
0: along. Um, I really like when they turn up at Ronaldo's house. Um, Ronaldo's really shocking, is shocked, like, Stephen, are you friends with Lars? And Stephen's response is, yeah, isn't everybody friends with Lars? <laughs> He's just so beautifully naive. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> he, just, he assumes everyone is friends. Because they're, you know, why wouldn't they be? His criteria for friendship
1: as well just seems to be like, I know of that person, they know of me, therefore we're friends.
0: Well, I think it's, we know of each other and I like you. It doesn't matter (laughs) if you like me, we're friends. Mm, Yeah, I think that's right. Um,
2: That just reminds me of the song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend when it says, friendship doesn't have to be a two-way street as long as there's a car on the road. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um... So yeah, at the, the start of this episode, there's a lot of just, like, bullet points of what happened that there's probably not too much to dig into. Um, they decide to watch a horror film. Ronaldo's a bit, like, elitist about his knowledge of horror films. I
1: like that Sadie is shown to kind of be a horror nerd. Yeah. yeah. That's a nice kind of twist of the trope. I like that it's not Lars. Yeah. As he said, he was like, oh, it's this version. Yeah. And she's the only super into it.
0: Lars is just like, uh yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah. Well, he's just, the one who gets
1: mixed up. On yeah. He's seen, he's seen the wrong version. He's, he's the fake geek. So.
0: He's, yeah. Fake geek boy. <laughs> fake geek, Lars. Um, Stephen watches the horror film from behind the sofa. He clearly cannot see a thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's nice that he still wants to be in people's company, even if it's like, I'm not going to enjoy the activity. But people I like are going to be there, so i will go. He seems very content. Yeah, he's happy
3: man. to just be in their company. He's well, not that content when he starts hearing it suddenly. He's <laughs> oh, held up and well, true. He's I underestimated okay. how bad this activity was going to be, but it's that's, okay. That's fair.
0: Um, <clears throat> and suddenly there is a power cut, and Ronaldo's house becomes a crazy haunted house.
1: What I like here is that it flips who's afraid. Stephen, who was just a few moments ago, afraid mm. of the noises and what was happening. is like, oh, cool, it's a ghost. Everyone else who <laughs> wasn't scared by the film is now terrified. He's, mm. he's
2: afraid
0: of the piece of media. But when it's real, when it's not reality, afraid. it's well, like, well, he's used oh, to
2: facing scary yeah, situations. I don't real
0: scary stuff. Just, yeah. I think that might partially be the film he's not in control of, but reality, oh, I can do something yeah, about that. Exactly. It's not so scary. You know, I've got practice at this. Um, all of the magic is making things hit Lars in the face. <laughs> like You're missing a few teeth by the end of that. Yeah, just like, magic <laughs> spirits, if you need to send us a few more signs, like that last one that also hit Lars in the face, that's okay. Well, it even starts with Lars being hit in the
2: face. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: All like, when back. it very yeah. first
2: happens, when yeah. Lars carves into the
0: wood. Yeah. Uh, so as they're running away from the scary stuff, Lars says... We're all just seeing things and hearing things and feeling things that aren't real. I don't know if that's meant to be foreshadowing, <laughs> but there's. I'm go with is... yes. I, I would go with like, it's like, we're gonna get to a thing in a minute where Lars doesn't want to acknowledge things that are felt, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
3: Um, more feelings. More, more Stephen Universe yeah. feelings.
0: No dealing with feelings.
2: I think it's also that he feels like um, Ronaldo's flirting with Sadie.
3: Yeah. yeah, because
2: they are very getting very yep. close, and yeah. Lars is kind of like, oh, I want to be part of this. Don't flirt with Sadie. I I think
0: that I I've I've thought about this line a bit, and I've seen an interesting uh, theory on it, which is that it's potentially ro- going drawing back to when they were uh, Lars and Sadie were alone on the island, and they were flirting and romantically interested. Lars potentially viewing that as not real romance <clears throat> because it's flirting or romance that happens under the guise of a stressful situation Mm. and he was like oh you you tricked me into kissing you etc whether potentially he feels like that's what's going on here is it's a scary setting that's why they're flirting and that's under false pretenses and it shouldn't happen possibly whether this is potentially some leftover like these aren't real feelings because they're triggered by stressful situations could be I, I don't think that's the intended reading, but I like that as a reading. Yeah. Um. So uh, Lars, we discover Lars is the one being haunted. Sadie's eaten by the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, any theories as to why the floor eats Sadie? I don't know. <laughs> my, my best guess is it's if we take something that Lars likes, then Lars is forced to confront
2: things. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Because it has been watching them. Like, it, it plays a recording yeah, from the very yeah. first time it met them. Yeah. So I think it's...
0: It's smart enough to... Yeah, it's all,
2: smart it? enough to kind of be like, well, I know you care yeah. about this person, so I'm going to eat them and see last, what you do then.
0: Lars can't just run away from his feelings if we steal the person he likes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I do love that this bit has really awesome, like, 80s horror, like, synth going oh, on for the whole time. It, it does a really good job of pastiching, like, 80s mm-hmm. horror. Um, so... Stephen can feel that the house feels hurt and upset. Clearly he's all, like, it's because it's a gem. It's also a blue gem,
2: which is a theory we've had before, oh, that yeah. he seems to relate to any blue gem.
0: Yeah, it's it's Lapis uh, when we eventually get to Blue Diamond. the um, He seems to be able to empathise particularly with blue gems.
2: Yeah, and as soon as he walks in the room, he goes, it's hurting.
0: That's a really, I, I didn't pick up on the fact it was a blue gem, but.
2: Yeah, because I wrote it down and I, yeah. I was like, is it a blue gem? And then when it came out, I was like, holy shit, it is a blue gem. <laughs> and then
0: I got it, it right. It, that is a really good point. It does always seem to be the blue gems that mm-hmm. Stephen empathises with. Um, so the place where Lars was carved into the wall begins to pulse like flesh. Then it turns into a creepy mouth. I, I don't do. know if there's any significance to the symbolism here, but it's creepy as hell. It
2: very much is. It's a bit gross.
0: Yeah. I'd be very curious if people have theories as to why that's how the, 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 the horror situation manifested, if it's <laughs> meant to signify anything. But, um, Ronaldo picks up Lars and goes to throw him into the mouth. Lars says, we used to be friends. Yeah. And then you threw me away. And then we get Transman Lars. Uh, (laughs) Do you want to start us off on this? Because you've got like a big mega post open about this.
3: There is just so much about this. Uh, It's
0: ridiculous. So before we dig into this, do we want to start with the stuff in this episode? Yeah, we'll do do this one and then we'll just... We'll rewind back and do other stuff. Yeah. So
3: where do we want to start on this one? Uh, I didn't get an awful lot... For this one by itself but uh a lot of the, the sort of subtext of the sentences that they're using uh kind of hint things as such um like we've got i can't remember if it was before or after what we've got up to but um lashing out and feeling hurt and trapped for so long that whole line and then immediately Lars just dives in from the other side of the room, like, I'm still yeah. here, yeah. you're talking about me. Oh wait, no, you're talking about the house. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, awkward retreat, back away from this conversation. Yeah. Oh yeah. too late. Feelings. So, mm-hmm.
0: There's there's a couple of bits i made note of, um, from from this that um Lars's priority in this flashback is making sure that this is a secret clubhouse. Yeah. That what goes on here is like, nope no one don't don't talk about what goes on here um and Lars gets hit in the face with the board and Ronaldo gets the picture and obviously yep. he's excited he's got proof of a paranormal event happening um when you turn on the TV tomorrow this is what's going to be on every station but 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 you said this was a secret um Lars then starts to tear up the picture um I'm just ripping myself out of it okay. So his focus is very much like I am the problem in this picture. I can't let people see me. Yep. Um and we get the line, "Ronnie, you know I can't let people see me like that." Mm-hmm. Um what is it about Lars right now that he is
3: not okay with people at large seeing? There's a lot of different there's a lot of different interpretations of that picture though isn't there because there's um on the one hand, he was completely caught off guard by it. So he's done no preparation whatsoever. And, you know, as I'm sure you will be aware, like, appearance and expression is very important to trans people. How we look at a certain given moment. Really, really. It's shocking as a revelation. It's bad enough being an unprepared picture, but an unprepared picture where all your hard work into how you look has just completely been ruined by a plank to the face.
0: Yeah. Um... I had some other thoughts on this scene of things that I think are are relevant. So we later in the show find out that Lars' name that his parents use and then apologise for, uh, they use the name Laramie, um, which follows the first three letters are the same, L-A-R. And when the, in the photo, because the S has come up to hit in the face, um, Mm. L-A-R are the letters that are visible, I don't know whether this is because the next letter was written and it's like, oh, you've deviated. That's why that's the point that the house hit him is because it's like... Oh. oh, you've done the thing of like deviating away. You're you're acknowledging that oh, you're no. acknowledging
3: the the name, and then the house hits him in the face. So the house is actually being a bit of an ass at this point. The right? house is potentially being a bit transphobic and just being like, "How dare
0: it?" Yeah, it's like we we're, were fine with L A R, but as soon as you put that S there, oh no, no,
3: no not allowed to do that. It's yeah. not
0: real. Um, unless in
1: following on that um idea. My interpretation on that path is that if it's picking up on the emotional intensity behind spelling the name that way, mm. like the house itself isn't like no, you're wrong. The house <laughs> no. is like feeling that's, the kind. I think of
0: that's more. Yeah, it. it's the like once that name is written, it's like up. Oh, there's a lot of energy trapped yes. in this name. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like there is also of significance. I've seen people mention this. Uh, Lars's voice is significantly. Higher pitched when he's panicking about people seeing the picture. Yeah, there is there is a significant vocal rise yeah.
3: Yeah. of like oh oh no oh no oh no he crap. Did, he does tend to do that whenever he's experiencing extreme emotions. At any yeah, point. like so far a couple of times when he's panicked or he's like the Stephen cry, the traditional Lars <laughs> Stephen. Yeah, it's al-
0: <laughs> it's always higher pitched, but there's something. Different about the way it goes higher pitched in this example, and I don't know how. Like I've seen people it's read like, into that. It's
3: like he's not thinking about it anymore. Yeah, and it's shocking. once it's once
0: you're not putting the effort on that voice, it, yeah. it yeah. ends up somewhere else. Um. So yeah, like this is where a lot of the the trans man Lars stuff stems from. Is like androgynous ish presenting flashback character mm-hmm. that is you know, very proud of his name but wants his his being there to be a secret and then panics when he's in a photograph and is like, I can't let people see me like this. Like, it would be different if he said, I can't be seen with you, but it's, I can't be seen like this. It's all about himself and his mm. appearance in the picture. Yeah. And I think that's just, you know, where it all stems from. But shall we talk about the other places in the show where there are trans man Lars things that are
3: relevant. Oh <laughs> right. There's so much stuff here. So general, Lars's general demeanour in the first place including the flashback scene. Mm. Like in the flashback scene he's very sociable yeah. with, well, with Ronaldo anyway. We mm. don't see him with other people and it doesn't, it's not the same as the Lars we've seen except when he's with the cool kids. Yeah. And the cool kids are all cool and chill and he's trying desperately to be accepted by them and so suddenly he's more happy and sprightly and he's got social skills that he doesn't put to use at any other time
0: yeah there's certainly something to be said for potentially the character being depicted as hey i'm going to keep people at arm's length cuz sometimes people are shitty and yeah. you know being a bit defensive because of it yeah um that first episode Lars and the cool kids Mm -hmm. A lot of people point out when Lars is topless, he is the only male character that is drawn topless with the curve in the chest that... It's just sort of a... His chest is drawn differently to every other male character with a bit of a bump on the upper torso. Which is unexpected for someone who
3: is very, very skinny otherwise. Yeah,
0: exactly. His frame is so wiry except for his upper torso. Yep. Um, the, The... the answers I've seen for that are having started uh, potentially being a character that started um, te- uh, ta- started blockers or testosterone early enough that there wasn't much chest development or
3: that it's yeah. leftover tissue from top surgery. And we know that, uh, as we've seen in the, in the flashback, his name was Lars when he was a kid, so we know that he knew early on that oh, it's yeah. not a recent development in his life.
0: Um, people have questioned about, like, if he's had top surgery, where are scars, there are options
3: of things like keyhole surgery that can yeah. be done that there's, would... There's two uh, options. One's the scars, which we can clearly see he doesn't have. Yeah. And the other is, it's sort of fairly small and you really wouldn't notice it. Yeah. So, so he's,
0: he's definitely not flat chested entirely. No. He's always anxious about taking his top off. Every time he has anxiety about doing so. Um,
2: well, his it... mom has a really small chest as well. Yes. When we was... meet her, la- or before, whenever yeah. it was.
0: Yeah. Later when we meet her, it would suggest that that might help with a small chest. Um, mm. But yeah, because in that first episode um, with Lars and the cool kids, he does have to turn away and visibly steal himself before he's confident enough to
3: take his top off. And then he looks so proud when he does. Yeah, he, like, puffs his chest out. He's like, yeah, yeah look at me. I, c- I, d- I got this. I can do this. And I then did he turns this. around and he's like, I did it. I got it.
0: Yeah, he puts on his biggest, bravest uh, grin to be like, yeah, I did mm. the thing. Um, also, at the end of that episode, um, they they end by d- Stephen and Lars touching each other's chests, and then Lars very quickly is like, okay, hands off my chest, please. Yeah, mm-hmm. Very quickly, uncomfortable with the... Uh, the chest touching. Um, what else do we have? Um, oh, island adventures. Sadie gets leg hair. Lars does not. During the time they are fa- yeah. they are away long enough that hair, facial and body hair growth would be possible with no ability to shave.
3: I did miss that on first watch, but it's it does seem kind of strange how. Sadie, Sadie has, seems to be the only yeah. one who really gets any sort of bodily development during that point. Lars's hair gets messy, and his clothes get a bit messy.
0: Well, Stephen, but... Stephen, I would excuse it away with, he's he seems to be prepubescent
3: to some degree. He's not, like, he's not properly finished going through puberty. We don't even um, know what's going on with that. Later on, we find out. We do, Stephen doesn't know what, what stage he's supposed yeah, to be. yeah,
0: ageing. Is that a thing that Stephen even does anymore? But I think there is some significance to Sadie has leg hair. Yeah. And Lars does not. Yeah. Um
1: like they took the time to add it. So that's, it's odd. Yeah. It's, that's
3: it's not yeah. even about colour as well, 'cause Sadie's Sadie's blonde. Exactly. You yeah. expect her leg hair to be blonde and therefore <laughs> it, invisible. It's not Lars an accidental
0: ginger. thing that an animation team does is give yeah. a female character uh, body hair but not a male character. Oh um, yay, body hair positivity. Woo, yeah, no. It's just like, yeah, she's got she's got body hair, whatever. Yeah. Um So yeah, that is potentially explained by like, hey, you're trapped on that island, you might not have access to tea right now. That that is a potential explanation
3: for lack of body hair right now. That is entirely possible. Um <laughs> I'm afraid I wouldn't know anything about uh not developing hair when and accidentally missing tea for a few oh, days. Oh, because you've got very hairy legs. I have got extremely hairy legs, <laughs> and they do not stop when I miss it for two days. It just carries on going.
0: <laughs> um, so the other one that we eventually get to is um, the new Lars, where Stephen is inhabiting Lars's body.
3: Oh, dear. Oh. I really you... didn't
0: like that one. But... Do you want to... Do you
3: not like this aspect of that one, or...? No, I just I didn't I didn't like that one. I th- I think I took it very personally as a trans man. Mm. It was very uncomfortable. Well, go on, talk 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 us about, about it. Well, I mean, we know uh, we know Stephen may or may not know um, things about Lars because we know he tries to be friends with him, but he doesn't get let in very much. So we don't know how much Stephen already knew before waking up in Lars's naked body. Yeah, I I just. It feels uncomfortable that Stephen immediately gets up and goes, "Oh, all right, I'm going to look around." I like that he goes, "I must respect his privacy."
0: Yeah, what's the line? I guess while I'm here, I better do my best to respect Lars's body.
3: Yeah. And we don't we don't get a frontal view, but we do see a, a good amount of butts. Yeah. That is, is that is definitely very a naked on brand. Of,
0: of, <laughs> it's definitely a very naked Lars yeah. and like Stephen is clearly not surprised by anything. He's just sort of Okay, let's be respectful, that's fine.
3: Yeah. I mean nothing surprises him anyway these days.
0: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know, he's he doesn't know much about what's going on generally in life. Yeah. Um But yeah, what's Yeah. I'm trying to have a look for
3: what other bits we've got um before Loves we finish the up. Mum. Yeah, the I
0: next people scene. Say
3: that. yeah. The the plugs and the, the name and the school and things like that. Yeah. The, the whole relationship he has with his parents is very weird. Yeah
0: his his parents call him Laramie, which is like I was unaware of this, but it is a gender gender a traditionally gender neutral name that ha- can be used either either side of that spectrum yeah. um, and as soon as his mother says Laramie, she panics as if she's slipped yeah. up, and she's like, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to call you that. Which
3: is braced for the worst possible yeah, reaction. The reading
0: is definitely, I've accidentally named you, and I am now worried that you're going to be really upset about that. Yeah. Um. Also, the heart-shaped plugs
3: that Lars never wears. Yeah. Well, you you got to avoid feminine things, because... Exactly. You've got to be hyper-masculine all the time. Yeah,
0: it, it seems like... Lars's mum potentially didn't think about the feminine aspect of hearts as iconography. And
3: yeah, Lars,
0: you know, it made her really happy to see him wearing them. But I can totally understand
3: why trans man Lars would not want to wear heart plugs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's symbolism that you don't necessarily notice until you're in that situation. And like his mother might have got them as a as a gift or like birthday presents and things like that thinking they were just cute, or they were sweet, or she may have even got them before he came out to his parents. Yeah, there are definitely explanations for it. Um, Which is why it had to be a secret in the flashback, because his parents couldn't find out. Yeah, it definitely Inspiracy seems theory. like
0: he was keeping his trans status from a lot of people for a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, they consistently. his parents do consistently use he and him pronouns, um, you know all that stuff. Um, The father also calls him Laramie, um, which is not great. Um, But yeah, mother's very flat chested. You can see her in a dress like she doesn't have much
3: of a chest. Which is good because to qualify for the more invisible option of surgery, you must be under a certain size. You have to be quite small. Otherwise it's not going to be as effective as it could be. And you'll be left with a little bit of roundness. To your chest. Yeah. Which... which Lars appears to have a little bit around Mister. to
0: his chest anyway. He does indeed. And then the last bit is when Lars fi- wakes up and finds out Stephen's been in his body. Mm. He freaks the hell out. He does not react well to it. Um, You can understand why that would be the case. Oh yeah. We'd w- like, yeah. Oh, oh no, person has inhabited my body and I am trans. This is not a situation I am comfortable with. No, I wouldn't be comfortable with that, though. No. Really. I don't think anyone would be comfortable with anyone inhabiting their body, but, you know... There's extra yeah. factors at play, there. Yeah. So, that that's the trans-man-lar's theory. That is. And, um, you know, head cannons have varying degrees of, like, you know, is this just a personal thing that I believe, or is this something that I think is intended? Yeah. This is one of those ones where I'm like, no, this, this is essentially canon. <laughs> like, we should be considering this canon at this point, because... Well, I remember when you told me about
1: it, and yeah. I, I was like, mm, okay. you, were, you were really dubious. I was quite sceptical, and then, like, I read into it, and I was like, I can see it, actually, yeah. Was this where,
0: <laughs> I think I think if I remember right, we read up on it together in the living room, and then I showed you this episode, and you were like, okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> Basically, yeah.
0: It's like, if if you watch this episode looking for trans you man really stuff, see it, yeah. There's a lot of it here to see, I think. Yeah. But I, I guess my question for you, like, if it's te- if this is intentional, how do you feel about Lars as a trans man character?
3: On the one hand, it's nice that he exists, mm. which you know doesn't happen very much. Like there's not a lot of trans people in media, and it's almost always negative And yeah, all of the the whole discussion that goes on there that really needs to be had more. But um, on the other hand, though, it's. It's always like the the character that sort of stands away from everyone else or is socially isolated in some way. It would have been nice maybe if he'd been more integrated into the sort of general social workings of Beach City Mm. as opposed to being the guy that people know exists. He works at the Big Donut. People don't like him and he doesn't like people. You it's, know it,
0: it feels it's 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 a fair, it's certainly a fair criticism yeah. i I feel like just talking generally about trans depictions like I like the fact that if he is eventually revealed to be a trans character that they've dropped hints towards it, but never anything so much as to define him by that, yeah, he's There's been allowed to be in the show for so long without he is defined by being a trans character,
3: yeah. And like, all the hints they're dropping are just sort of built into his character development. There's nothing yeah. specifically... Here is a standing moment by itself where we no, it's, see it's, this thing that's going on it's, for no reason other than exposure.
0: It's just a hyper-masculine... A character that tries very hard, hard to be hyper-masculine and doesn't want anyone to see him in a photo exactly.
3: with his appearance. And, you know, it's just there for you to pick up the pieces. Yeah. Like, there's there's a plausible explanation for almost all of the things that isn't that he's trans. But yeah. you have to find a different explanation for each one. But it's the but one sort of cohesive theory. It's so far one cohesive theory that covers everything <laughs> about Lars. Yeah,
0: it makes sense. Like if I would be really happy if he ended up being canonically conf- Even if it was just like offhandedly said in an interview or something to be like, yeah, no, the intention is for him to be read as trans. Because I think yeah. there's enough in the canon material for that to not seem like a token... This is our. We're, ne- we're saying that this character's trans, therefore they're trans now. It's the
1: J.K. Rowling thing of like, yeah, ah, that yeah. character
0: was gay. This is an allegory for this, and it's like, I mean, nah, I didn't write it. them that way, but yeah. they are now. <laughs> but that's it. Is I wouldn't have that same feeling of annoyance. I agree. Here, it's definitely seeded. Like it
1: doesn't if if they announce it now, I would not be like, oh, you've done that just because it kind of makes sense. It's yeah, like, I can believe that this was the intention all along. I yeah.
0: think if there's any show that could pull off doing doing that
3: tastefully as well, it's probably Steven Universe. Mm. Yeah, I am concerned though about whether they would ever actually explicitly say it if it was true, because the show is very famous for not explicitly saying things because they don't <laughs> need to be said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's things because like it's for children. Yeah. and. The, yeah, the
0: way like, that we never ignore, like, that this show has no lesbians in it because they're all agender space rocks. Yep. You know, they use she and her pronouns, but they're all agender space rocks, of yep. course, so it's not gay, so it's okay.
3: Yep. We'll just show it and just not mention it. If, yeah. if it
0: never gets acknowledged, it won't bother me too much because I mm. feel like it's something consistent enough through the show that I can be happy with it as canon. Yeah. So. At the same time,
1: I... Do you think it would be a really nice end to Lars' character arc if the ending was him realising that he can just be himself and everyone will respect him as Lars and as a guy. But he's not
0: having to force that hyper-masculinity um, yeah, to be respected. I think yeah. it would be a
1: nice ending to kind of the arc of what we've seen. On Nearly every episode about him it seems to be about him forcing some particular behaviour, caring about what other people think. I would like if at the end he was just like, this is me, and it's okay that I may not fit your expectations.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah. I think, I think also... Sorry, we're going to go on about this for a while, <laughs> I think. I really like Stephen as a counterpoint to Lars, in that Stephen is the male character that is happy to embrace femininity mm. without feeling like it yeah. in any way discredits his ability
3: to be perceived as male and use male pronouns. Well, there, was, there was a part of when Lars came back to his own body... He sort of had a a moment of thinking... I might be remembering wrong, but um, when he says, oh, what, everyone liked you when you were me? And, like, something like that. And everyone liked Stephen Lars.
0: Yeah, everyone liked... Like, just, if Lars was slightly more sociable
3: and feminine, that wouldn't stop people liking him? No, and he's, he's so... He seems a little bit bothered by the fact that, like, Stephen being comfortable and relaxed and just being able to go about business for some reason in lars's body without much of a drama he seems kind of bothered by the fact that he can't go out and do that he can't have that that happy comfortable chat with his parents where they're not on edge about what's going on hopefully that's his catalyst to eventually you know
0: mature (laughs) as a character so there we go did anyone else have anything else to say about (laughs) episode 41 that wasn't that discussion of trans man lars I'm good. <laughs> You're good? Right. Next up on the episode list is episode 42, Winter Fordcast. Um This is another episode where we start off with some continuity from past episodes, because Stephen got banned for 10,000 years from watching TV, and therefore Stephen and Connie didn't know there was a snowstorm coming. Mm-hmm. It's an episode premise that comes out of a small piece of continuity that they could have just completely disregarded, but chose to follow up.
2: He still went to movie night though. Well,
1: technicality
0: I suppose.
2: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he did sit behind the couch so he wasn't watching anything. <gasps> is that why is that part of why he didn't watch?
1: I he's think he's He's not so. allowed to
0: watch T V Oh my <laughs> God. I didn't pick up on that, but that's really smart. <laughs> that's a really good explanation
3: for why he didn't watch.
1: Well we
0: do see it carry forward
1: into the next episode as well. So yeah. It's, it's clearly something that is being mentioned across episodes, and not just when it's oh, convenient. That's Definitely a, a lot of yeah. effort put into it.
0: <laughs> he didn't watch TV at movie night. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, yeah, there's a snowstorm coming, Connie's supposed to go home, and Garnet gives Stephen a future vision kiss. Um, so, where, where do we start with this one? Um, Stephen decides to procrastinate a bunch so that he can hopefully spend more time with Connie. Uh, We start off with procrastinating by getting Greg to do a fashion show. Mm -hmm. Does anyone have any particular favourite outfits from Greg's fashion show? (laughs) I just love the final outfit that he ends up in with, like, platform boots
1: and, like, the cape. It's clearly, like, a performing kind of (laughs) glamour. Well, it has the
0: stars on the shoes as well. Mm. I'm not gonna lie, this is the most amazing thing (laughs) I've ever seen worn. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Stephen's definitely a fan of that outfit. (laughs) Um, So they get stranded in the snow, they arrive late... Connie gets a cold, they crash the car, um, Mr. Warren reluctantly lets Greg and Stephen stay, and the whole thing's just a bit of a miserable experience. Mm-hmm. Anything to say on that, or...? It feels like this episode is probably just going to be like a rundown of what happened. Yeah, I really
1: like this episode. I think it's funny. There's a lot of black comedy in it, but it's not anything... There's not much to discuss. I
0: I think the thing to discuss when we get there is at the end of this episode, it's probably worth discussing the fact that this is our first proper look at how future vision functions Mm. and how its sort of branching potentials works. But that might be a discussion for the end of the episode, but I think otherwise it's just a, this is what happened Mm -hmm. kind of episode. Because... We go back to the van. Um, they decide to wait inside the van that crashed. Um, I have a question. Connie, before she eats, says itadakimasu, which is Japanese. Yeah, why? Like, <laughs> oh. I never assumed that Japanese was specifically her ethnicity or That's ethnic background. not I how I read was. Was. No, like, I always read, uh, read her ethnic background as, like, Indian potentially like or Middle Eastern I took her saying it just because she's very well read I I wasn't and... sure if it's her being well read po- possibly that she's a little bit of a a, a little bit of a, <laughs> an anime nerd mm. um I think that's all it It wouldn't really be surprising if it's just like she's a bit because we know from later in this batch she's obsessed with like young adult novels mm. it wouldn't surprise me if she picked it up from watching anime Yeah mm. I think that's all it it's is. It's just like oh Eva's because <laughs> basically being like me when I was like 15 and trying to be cool animated basically I think
1: a lot of people had
0: Everyone like had that. their cool animated phase <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so Connie's dad drives in the snow to try and pick them up uh crashes we rewind back to the fashion show at the car um we need to go home I've seen bad things several bad things. <laughs> Um... I like how that ends up
1: having the worst outcome oh, possible. yeah,
0: because the outcome to going home is... And I completely forgot this was a thing that happened until watching this with, like, mm-hmm. future episode context. The gems are sending a bomb to the galaxy
1: warp. Mm-hmm. They're trying to blow it up. Like, yeah, they... Now Stephen's out of their way, and they're like, okay, we we're worried about this galaxy warp. We're going to try and destroy it completely. Yeah,
0: like, their plan is literally to blow up the entire galaxy warp completely, and Stephen and Connie returning distracts them, and they accidentally blow everyone up.
3: <laughs> oh, no, nobody actually mentions anything about that afterwards once yeah. the situation it, is resolved. It's never acknowledged <laughs> to Stephen that yeah, we blew up the galaxy warp. Like, he knows it's still going on at home. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm
0: curious about continuity. Does that mean that we maybe are never going to see the galaxy warp after this? Because I... hmm. the galaxy warp was just the location for warping to other planets.
1: I'm just trying to think, Peridot's um, like equipment gets kicked off of the edge of something. In my mind, that's the galaxy warp. I thought that was there mm. as well. I mean,
3: the robots do repair it a couple of times oh, anyway. Yeah. Maybe it's it destroyed and then repaired. Then. Maybe. Possibly. Um, she mentions I'm, it, doesn't she? I'm
0: curious to watch out in future episodes yeah. for the galaxy warp to yeah. see... Because we don't know for certain that this did happen. This was a potential future. Yeah, possible. In mm. a potential future, they might have set off the galaxy warp bomb. Mm. And if it's still there, the explanation is, well, that's just not the, the future that didn't occur. Mm. But um, I, I just love how ridiculously
1: dark it is that one potential outcome is that everybody died and the whole town exploded.
0: Yeah, because they tried <laughs> to do the right thing and, you know, mm-hmm. avoid the snow and everyone died. Um Stephen and Connie rush home to uh, to Connie's house um, and because they get there in nice time and they do everything right, Greg and Stephen are invited in quite nicely. Um, Greg sounds like he's being sarcastic when he's amazed at being offered the couch to sleep on. I didn't read it as sarcastic. Well, I, I, read I think it. <laughs> you're going where I'm about to go. Go on. I
1: read it more as Greg being like, wow, I normally sleep in a van. This well, is a couch. This
0: is it. It's... I think it it sounded sarcastic in the way it said because it sounds like it, like, it would usually be a sarcastic yeah. sentence, but he means it very sincerely <laughs> because he lives on a pile of clothes in his van. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, Stephen and Connie get to watch the snow fall and it's all super lovely. Yeah, it's a
1: nice silent moment. Like again, yeah. they get to watch the snow, which is what they wanted
0: to do. They don't need to means. share a word. It's just mm-hmm. happens. So. Should we talk about how this episode presents future vision working? My take on it was that
1: Stephen's powers aren't developed enough for him to use future vision properly, which is why he perceived the events as to be actually taking place. Mm -hmm. And he also seemed to have no control over when he went back in time. It kind of happened on its own. That's my take on
0: it. I certainly agree with you there, but I think what it does show us is the way that like it's... It's only out. You only see outcomes that you might potentially take. It's let's say Garnet's using future vision. She probably thinks, okay, what if I do this, then this, then this, and sees potential outcomes for that. Okay, what if I do these things and sees potential outcomes for that. It's why when we get to that later episode where Garnet is looking for Peridot and can't find her because it's Pearl restoring the tower. Thanos. The reason why she can't hmm. find her is every time she has a future vision, she's like, okay, what if I do this and this and this to look for Peridot? And what if I do this and this and this yeah. to look for paradox?" And because she's picturing the and living those futures... Nothing changes. Yeah, nothing not changes because it, yeah. it's not... Yeah. Mm. So, she specifically has to make choices about what... What choices will she make and what future will that lead to? Mm. I could see that, definitely. Yeah. Which explains why her future vision isn't it's not a linear progression. Mm. It goes back to the yeah. way she described it to
1: Stephen about like the rivers. Yeah, she has the map, and she's kind of she can steer the ship. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's, she can she can decide. I can take this left or this right fork in this river, and I'll see what happens down each of those. But if she doesn't think to maybe get off the boat and see what happens on the land over there, mm. then she'll never see a future vision about it. Yeah. Mm. If that makes any sense, that makes sense. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I would, I
3: would. I would go with that one.
0: Any other thoughts on this episode, or should we move on to uh, not uh, the next one?
2: I just think that it's um, very telling that Garnet trusts Stephen to make the right choice if he knows the consequences of his act- actions in advance.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is why in forty-four, when we get to it, she's willing to trust Stephen's judgment again. Mm-hmm. Possibly for the better or worse, we'll get there, but she does learn from this if Stephen has... If Stephen's given the information to make informed choices, he makes good choices. Yeah. Mm. Which, you know, can you just tell the other gems that? <laughs> yeah. That when Stephen
3: has the information, he mm. makes good choices. I was going to say, because it's so soon after the kindergarten one as well. Yeah. Where Pearl's just basically said Stephen can't be trusted with mm. the worst case scenario. It's like, no, tell him the worst case scenario so he can make
0: sensible decisions. Yeah, um,
1: I think it's a nice parental thing as well, that she's kind of like... The, the choice that works out the best is him doing the most responsible thing and kind of listening to his parental figures. Yeah. That's the one that works. So it's almost kind of like, you see that we're doing this for your own good. Like, yeah. do the right thing and everything will work out. Yeah.
0: yeah. So Sometimes sometimes being a responsible uh, grown-up is the best thing to do, Stephen, and yeah. we're going to let you make that decision on your own. Mm, we're not going to force you to listen yeah, to us. Because
1: it's not initially what he wants to do. He wants to play and have yeah. fun. He doesn't want to kind of end his playtime. But then he sees that, okay, that's the right thing to do.
0: Mm. Uh, so next episode up we have is episode 43, Maximum Capacity. Uh, Greg's storage locker is 100% full, and he needs to put in his big cutout, the cardboard cutout of himself, which I wish I had a big wooden cutout <laughs> of myself. That'd be great. Um, so they need to clear up the, the storage locker.
2: One thing that I thought funny about the cutout is that it just says Summer Wax Special on it and it looks like it's advertising like a beauty salon instead. <laughs> but he mentions that it didn't do very well and I'm kind of like, yeah. well, if you've got Greg advertising what could C- be a C- beauty salon. Beautifully
0: smooth legs <laughs> like Greg. <laughs> um, so I think it's, it's very telling that even having seen this episode before, in my mind, I assumed it was Pearl coming to help clean up mm-hmm, yeah. the storage locker, because I think everyone would assume that. It's... I remembered it, because I remember when yeah. you, you were watching it, Reta. I
1: remember us both being like, it's going to be Pearl! Oh, it's
0: Amethyst. Yeah, I <laughs> forgot that, and then it seemed very familiar when it happened, but mm-hmm. I think it's a great piece of misdirection. Yeah, yeah. W- without
1: saying it, they lead everyone to believe that Pearl's going to be the one to I know, out. just
0: the gem to deal with <laughs> tidying up a mess
3: this is this is the perfect well it's it's nice though because it shows steven's a little bit considerate of the fact that it kind of distresses pearl when there's mess yeah <laughs> like she's good at, she's that. good at cleaning mess but that doesn't mean doesn't that mean she, she doesn't find to. stress
0: uh, mess stressful but amethyst on the other hand is very relaxed around mess and yeah. as such oh she she'll be able to help it's fine exactly. um so amethyst has seen greg's junk <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's an interesting line that it's obviously meant it's, to mean what we
0: think it means. It's intended, like, it's got to be there to be a joke about genitalia. Yeah. Are we supposed to read in that she's seen Greg naked? I'm not sure. I could
1: believe it. I, uh,
2: <laughs> I don't know. There was a lot of hints about perhaps Greg and Amethyst possibly as Rose being a thing.
1: Maybe. Maybe. It does seem to bother Pearl a lot, that they're hanging out again. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I can see how, if you lost your wife after the death of your child, having someone around that could take on the form of your dead wife might be momentarily appealing. She,
1: Amethyst has clearly taken on Rose's form. Before because mm-hmm. Greg and, knows yeah. that it's,
0: Amethyst is leaving. Like, I yeah. know you're doing it. The thing it, it's clearly led to Greg being distressed in the past, though, yeah. and whether it was immediately distressful or whether it was it became distressful. became distressful. I guess is the question. Because hmm. going down this rabbit hole, if that's how oh, this God. happened, the ra- that that would lead to potentially <laughs> is the reason why why Amethyst has seen Greg mm-hmm. ju- Greg's junk. <laughs> is it because she, as Rose and Greg, had sex? Mm-hmm. That's maybe. a weird thought oh. to go down. Oh, god. <laughs> yeah. Well, ooh. it's
2: also the thing when the photograph is brought out, the, the one that's broken, um, she blushes, turns away, and then changes the subject really quickly. <gasps> Was that her I, in the Are picture? you suggesting it's
0: maybe... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Possibly? <laughs> oh. Because... <laughs> I really hope that's not true because that that breaks down my entire really like nice heartwarming end to the notes about this episode. We'll keep that in our pocket as a backup thought, maybe. Lock that in a box somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, clearing through the mess in the, uh, in the locker. Um, Greg has porn in his storage locker. He has space porn. That's one thing I was going to mention, that he clearly has a
2: thing for aliens.
0: Oh yeah, Passion yeah. of Zancor.
2: And he's the damsel
0: in it. Yeah, yeah, it mm-hmm. definitely looks like, looks like him as the damsel mm-hmm. of this uh, space mm. porn. Um, so yeah, Greg has a thing for space women. Um, Greg's uncle apparently has the deed to a mansion. Is this <laughs> going to crop up at some point? When I initially
1: saw the episode, I took that as a joke. But watching it this time, like, we've seen he's got an interesting
0: family. We we know uh... that, like, his aunt and uncle... Was it his aunt and uncle that owned the barn, the barn that yeah. ended up... His, his cousin ended up coming to reclaim. They own property. <laughs> I could see that being a genuine yeah. thing. Like, oh, we've been wondering where that is. Yeah. yeah, I could see them going back to Greg ending up with a mansion. <laughs> um, so, Lil Butler... Who wants to talk about the dog? That annoyed me so <laughs> Do you much. want to
3: talk about the dog thing? Like, you watch the opening credits of Lil Butler, and it's lovely and cute, and there's the dog, and he's even in the credits. What is it name, dirt bike or something? Yeah, <laughs> he's in the opening credits of the pilot. And then the next, like, you see um, Amethyst and Greg sitting together, and then... Like she says, oh, is this the pilot? And he goes, yeah. They didn't even they didn't even have the dog. They just had a cat called Money. Yeah, it's like but no, they didn't. They, they had a dog. The, the, the dog was in the, the trailer. It the, was there. The possible explanation is if
0: the pilot was later when it when the pilot was released on on VHS, it was given the intro. Yeah, see, that's my like yeah. forced.
1: That's, explanation. That's, of it, if it's we're so, trying to explain it,
0: maybe they put the yeah. show's intro in front of the pilot. Like when the pilot
1: was filmed long before they decided to get the dog, and then film the intro with the dog that they later added to the pilot when it was
0: aired. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's forced. It's, but... It is forced. <laughs> My, the, I think
3: it's. I think you've noticed a clever like. Oh, they fucked up. Well, not just that; it's the the money line as well. Because Little Butler's like tagline is, "You people have too much money," and they talk about the cat. The cat's called money. Yeah. You people have too many cats. No, it's you get rid, you've is got, crazy you've got, cat you've got too much
0: cat. Get rid
3: of the cat and get a dog <laughs> get instead. Rid of the cat, get a dog. <laughs> and this
0: is before they got um, the dog. So characters with autistic spectrum, uh, you know, traits and whatnot. Odd numbers just feel cleaner. Mm. Uh, see, even I picked up on that. One. Yeah. It is a mental. It, it seems like a reference to some kind of mental health uh, thing, of just mm. like be it that or something like um, obsessive compulsive disorder mm. or mm. something in that vein. Um, do we ever see any any other implications that he has any kind
3: of Not that condition? I think of. the line um, after that. He what's the line about after the blue it? fireworks? Oh, I like the blue ones. Like, he said yeah. there'd be blue fireworks. I love the blue ones. I, they're, they're not any it, more special than the other It seems like a very
0: simplistically put together line that, again, you could potentially read it is. as... It's,
3: it's sort of hyper-focusing on something that's completely innocuous and has no actual effect yes. on watching fireworks. Yeah, no, no. Half I the people the at ones.
2: this table have very blue hair.
0: <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's fine Everyone likes the blue ones <laughs> um, So yeah, that was just an Observation that I'm going to be looking out for In future episodes now um, mm. Greg and Amethyst Oh, another another Potentially Autistic spectrum thing uh, Greg and Amethyst obsessively Watch Little Butler to the detriment Of everything around them They can't stop watching It becomes a detriment to their life Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obsessive focus over a over a thing of interest. Yeah. Cough, cough. Where? What was my jingle again for autistic spectrum jingle? Do to do do to do, do. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, Greg and Amethyst watch the show all night, and Greg ends up missing the fireworks. And. I I find this scene really hard to watch every time it happens anyway cuz mm. as someone that grew up with a dad that was really shitty and just like never like I didn't live with my dad growing up and he just consi- he would make plans and then consistently forget about them mm-hmm. um you know that's an upsetting thing for a kid that's you know it's upsetting to be like ah this parent you know has made plans and that means they care about me and then they forgot about those plans which means they don't care about me that's you know, mm. a sucky thing that is very quickly portrayed quite effectively here. I think. Yeah,
3: yeah. You definitely see the the sort of impact it has because the whole argument where Amethyst then turns into Rose just is a complete direct result of that of mm. him forgetting to yeah go and be with Stephen when he promised to.
0: Yeah, because Stephen doesn't go chase up Greg when the fireworks are going to be soon. Because Greg said he was going to be there. So he just waits at the fireworks, because Greg will get there. He trusts him Mm. implicitly to be there. Yeah, and it's afterwards he goes and he's just like, where where were you? Yeah. And he's understandably upset. Um, Separately, Amethyst is starting to shapeshift. Oh, you missed time with your kid? I'll shapeshift to being your kid. Oh, you're bothered by shapeshifting? I'll turn into you and make fun of you for being upset by shapeshifting. And then we get the line, I bet you'd stay for her. So Amethyst is clearly very, very paranoid that she's not good enough and that people don't like her and that Mm -hmm. any backing away from her is a sign that someone doesn't like her and never did and so on. And that she's inferior to everyone else in people's lives, you know. you're You're not leaving because you upset your son and you need to go, like make amends for that because you agreed to something and didn't do it. You're going because you don't like me, but you'd stay if I was her. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, very distressing to watch Greg's response to Amethyst turning into Rose. Does anyone want to talk about it?
1: It's it's like we just said earlier, like, his reaction leading up to it really says that this has happened before. There's a history of this happening.
0: Yeah, he says something, like, well, he's turned away, and he knows, like, he's not looked, but he knows that Amethyst Mm. has turned into Rose. Mm. I want to try being friends again. I really do, but I can't let you hurt me like this again. Again. Yeah, he's clearly been hurt before. Um, Amethyst is really vindictive in this episode. She is really bloody mean. Well,
2: she really enjoys making people uncomfortable. Like, the whole thing, whenever she's messy... She'll, yeah, she tries to, like, get the mess on her. when Stephen was sneezing. She tried to get him to sneeze on her. There's
0: making mm. people uncomfortable and there's making people distressed and upset. I and mean, I think this is where that line happens is mm. it's a difference trying to get some mess on someone that's, you know, a bit obsessive about cleanliness. It's mm. a bit different to have someone cowering, being like, no, don't turn into her. I'm, like, crying on the floor here. And she's still gleefully, like... ...boasting with it. Yeah,
1: it's gone from, like, the earlier kind of playful meanness that we've seen into just, like, straight up, this is just cruel. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And the thing that shocks her out of it is seeing Stephen's horrified Mm -hmm. face at... Because she doesn't mind being horrible to Greg. She doesn't mind being playfully mean to Pearl. Mm. Stephen is the person that she probably has the most in common with. (sighs) Stephen is probably the closest person she has. And she upsets Stephen, yeah. and suddenly she's like, "I fucked up
1: that's the interesting thing I think about this whole scene is that both the both of them are reacting, and they don't know Stephen is there, yeah, so we have this rare glimpse into this is how these two characters act and react with each other away from Stephen, yeah,
0: because yeah, Steven's usually the calming force because amethyst doesn't want to do this behavior in front of Stephen because she, Stephen is someone that she feels like, I could potentially lose you. Mm. And you seem to actually like me and we have stuff in common. I don't want to fuck up with you. Everyone else, that's fine. And Greg
1: as well. Greg seems genuinely angry in the scene. And anger is not an emotion that Greg ever shows to Stephen.
0: Yeah. Um, So I have a practical question. When Stephen, like, runs in and screams at them to to shut up and to stop... The TV suddenly goes to static. Do we think Stephen did that? I thought that.
2: Because it focuses on the TV going to static as well. I've
0: questioned this before. Is this something about some power Stephen has that we've not yet seen?
2: Mm. I could see that. Because it happens like at the end of the intro as well. It's not like it's...
0: Oh,
1: yeah, like they haven't reached the end of an episode or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it does seem like... It's a thing I've been watching out for, like, since the first time this episode aired, is Stephen turning off electricals using his mind, potentially.
1: Well, we know his powers are often linked to his emotions. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, I think, out of continuity as well, that moment is a nice callback to the tape. For Stephen that Rose plays? Because that's yeah, also yeah. Rose's face cut to static with that noise. And oh, this is Rose's yeah. face cut to static with the same noise. And they
0: sort of link together. Yeah. 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 So um, Amethyst is... Cle- clearly was jealous of Greg and Rose's relationship, was jealous that Rose, you know, meant a lot to Amethyst, but she's gone because of Greg, and that Greg got all that, you know, had her everything of Rose. Mm. However, she realises the harm, I think from looking at Steven and Steven's sadness, she realises the harm she's doing by holding on to that jealousy. And she tries to have an olive branch of apology by getting the other gems to help tidy the shed, but also getting a nice new picture frame for Greg and Rose's picture. Now, I am assuming that's actually Rose, because then that's a really sweet gesture. I really hope that's not Amethyst. I think oh, it is God. Rose because of
2: the colour. Yeah. Because it... obviously Amethyst, when she
0: would be purple, turns, purple. yeah, she's yeah. still purple. Let's assume so, because that was a momentary, like, <laughs> you put a real damper for a minute on, <laughs> on that picture for me. I was like, no. I love the kind of dark twist of
1: this being this kind of moment of like, look, it's a picture of me and you, but Stephen doesn't know that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> just like here's your mom or kind of this is what
0: she looked like anyway <laughs>
3: uh, anything else we want to say about this episode before we move on I wanted to make a point about um, Ameth- the, the relationship between Amethyst and Stephen yeah so we know they closely relate to each other because they're both earth gems yeah and we know that Amethyst looked, looked at Stephen to gauge whether that, whether that was too far or not yeah like it took Stephen appearing for amethyst to stop yeah to realize what was going on i find that quite interesting because obviously amethyst being born on uh, on earth and the gems don't interact with humans that much when amethyst was young yeah we've seen that we've seen that before but amethyst then relates to Stephen because steven is expressing actual human emotions and he's just about the only one there who's got all of this sort of expression and emotion and these feelings completely organically in and of himself rather than learning what behaviour is appropriate or what behaviour isn't. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of a lot of why Amethyst relates to that comes back to Stephen because she's watching Stephen going, so this is how humans do this. Not like Pearl, who is uptight, or Garnet, who's very sort of aloof and separate from everything.
0: I, I think she definitely does use Stephen as her barometer for what do humans overall think of what I'm doing. She extrapolates humankind to all be Steven. The cat has found a carrier bag over there. (laughs) Mm. We've, we've allowed the cat to be in the room with us because she's not shouting this week. But um,
2: I'm going to get her away from the bag because it has my pills in it if she eats any of them. Oh, yeah, go. that
0: would be bad. That's <laughs> a good idea. Hooray for the practicalities of having a cat in the recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: I smudge. Get away from
0: the bag. Um, so, yeah, I think there's definitely something to yeah. that. Um, anything else on this episode?
1: Um, the only other note I had that we didn't discuss is I, I wrote down that... Um uh, Little Butler is very, very nineties and I really like that little touch. I uh, love that yes. the intro is like super nineties yeah. with like the song and the credits and the kind of the way it's like, here are the characters.
0: Yeah.
2: I have no other point.
1: Oh little is
0: butler, you're the butler that battles
2: our hearts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it is also kinda of child labor, they're just kinda of- find this kid and they're like, no, you work for us. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Is, is
1: yeah. Little Poetler like a really small old man or is he a child who looks like an old man? I'm quite confused. He's a really high-pitched yeah.
3: voice.
0: Um, the um, an old the, man. The, the, the reading, other than the voice, my reading of the character was this. Because of the moustache, I read this as this is an actual like old person that just happens to be very small and for some reason was dropped off on their doorstep, <laughs> swaddled like a baby. <laughs>
2: I don't know, because they'll say an orphan boy. Not an orphan man.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, this is probably a child with a moustache. If if a child has a moustache, does that mean that they're legally old enough to work? I don't know. Once you have a moustache, you can have a job. Apparently those are the rules now. Yes. Yeah, Something in
2: smudge can get a job. I think in
0: <laughs> I think in nineties sitcom world, if you have a moustache you can have a job.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Um So yeah, with that we'll move on to the last episode of today's batch, episode forty-four marble madness this is one that like we get continuity on this episode for a while because we get the the introduction to connie has an obsessive interest in a uh, and passion for a young adult novel series with a female protagonist did anyone catch the name of this series because i forgot to write it down
3: uh, something about familiars.
1: Like... Yeah, it's it's kind of a mashup of like Harry Potter and his Dark Materials. Yes. Yeah, like the
0: familiars are definitely meant to be a his Dark Materials mm. reference. The plotline is definitely. It it feels like a lot of it is wedged together from like what. Two or three years ago, what were the popular young adult novels that we can just shove into one pastiche? I've used that word, like, twice this week, pastiche. It's a good word. It's a good word. (laughs) I like the word pastiche, but I don't... It's, you know, once in an episode is enough. I don't need to, like, you know, add any more pastiche. Um we're not, we're not cooking or anything. Yeah, exactly. You know, if this is like, you know, garlic powder. Like, one spoonful's enough for most people. Most people don't need a second spoonful of pastiche. Now I'm just thinking about quiche.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't thinking about pasta. A pasta different. quiche. It could be both. Oh, can can we make a pasta quiche?
0: Um, so giant toothpaste robots arrive on Earth, That's and good. Connie's response is... Um, I love hanging out at your place.
1: <laughs> yeah, because crazy things happen here. Like, yeah. this is where the intense magic and...
0: She likes the fact that hanging out at Stevens, the sort of things that are in her young adult novels, are mm-hmm. reality here. Yeah. I think. And I think a bit of her is, like, quietly hoping that eventually she's going to become the, you know, young adult female protagonist of this adventure, mm-hmm. which she mm-hmm. kind of does mm-hmm, as time yeah. goes on. Um. A nice bit of um, call forward to something that doesn't happen for like 100 plus episodes. Um, Mrs. Maheshwaran, I, uh, uh, referring to Steven Universe. I swear that's not that boy's real name. <laughs> um, as we later learn, his birth name was Steven D'Amico? Steven Stephen like D'Amico?
3: I'm not sure. I, think it I, was. I can't remember. I'm just like, that. don't look at me, It's something that sounds vaguely Italian. Yeah. I think it was D'Amico, but... Um, was it, was it Steven or was it did Greg change it before he was born? Because that becomes a talking point.
0: It was, um, it was definitely going to be Stephen and Greg's, uh, like, Greg's surname was D'Amico. Yeah. Um, so, like, whether it was before or after Stephen's time, like, his surname should have been, was going to be D'Amico. Yeah. Or whatever it was. So, I thought that was a nice touch that, like, it's nice that that gets followed up so much longer in the Mm. future.
1: Yeah, like, universe is not Greg's birth name.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's not a thing that anyone has as a birth surname. Mm. And, yeah, I think it's interesting that, like, even if some of these things take forever to pay off, so many of these things have payoffs that Mm. you don't notice till you watch back.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, Stephen gets into the book series, but not in the way that Connie wants or hopes.
1: Smurches on the counter.
0: I'll go deal with Smudge, I'll go shut her in the office. You talk about Stephen not getting into the book series in the way that Connie wants.
1: Okay, I find it very amusing that the book that he read which is called Destiny's End. Yeah, like yeah clearly ob- the
2: end book. <laughs>
1: very obviously the last one. But he chose it because it's the one with the
3: coolest cover. Which but, is quite sweet. Yeah. yeah.
2: But he doesn't mind reading things in the wrong order because in the episode on the run... Um, he reads the beginning, goes, "Oh, how are they going to get out of this mess?" Flips to end, and goes, "Oh, that's how."
1: <laughs> yeah. It's Connie that it bothers. Connie's a yeah. nerd. He's not experiencing the series as she did. Yeah, even or really not manage. doing
0: it in the right way because there's a right way to be a nerd. <laughs> there's a right order to do
3: it. In.
0: Yeah. Well, she has a right to be a bit confused because he skipped to the end and is confused about like who mm. this character is that yeah. is the dad that you're supposed to mm. eventually meet and yeah all that sort of thing, so um Stephen realizes that the robot knows what it wants and so gets them to it gets the gems to to let the robot show everyone where to go. Mm-hmm. It's Stephen understanding another creature or another sentient life forms' perspective and point of view and understanding how working out what it wants can be beneficial to your understanding of it, mm-hmm. yeah it's. The same sort of thing that we get with that Roadrunner episode later on. It's like, hey, if you stop and understand what this thing wants, you'll have a better chance of knowing what's going on.
2: Mm-hmm. I yes. also love the reason that they do actually like follow Stevens thing and it's saying Oh Gannett
1: has an amazing life.
2: We can't fight these things forever. Well we can, but I really don't want to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um Garnet pushes everyone to trust Stephen's judgement, and everyone else trusts Stephen's judgement because they trust Garnet's judgement. It's definitely, Mm. like, Garnet has seen, hey, when Stephen knows what's going on, he can make Mm. reasonable, sensible, informed decisions. Hopefully if I trust him, the others will start to trust him on that. Mm. Which, yeah, has some some downsides eventually, but it's okay. Um, The Oh, yeah. Right One her.
2: thing that I um, liked, like, Stephen treats the toothpaste blob thing like a person rather than as a threat. Like, the gems immediately run out and attack it, kind of like, oh no, what's yeah, this thing? Yeah. Whereas Stephen's kind of like, yeah, but we we, we should see what, what it's doing before we just crush it. It's mm-hmm. the same as with centipede. Yeah,
1: the gems' reaction to most things is, let's punch it. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: I think it's important as well because he mentions the funky floor. Let's go Mm. with the funky floor, which is what he said when he first met Connie. Yeah. Go with the funky floor so I can get to know Connie. Isn't it
1: when uh, Garnet originally said, don't interrupt his funky floor? Yeah,
2: don't interrupt his funky floor.
0: (laughs) Um, So the robot takes them to the kindergarten and um, takes them down into a secret hole in the ground. It turns out those toothpaste robots function as hands. I completely forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we had a discussion a few weeks back about the fact that all of the gem tech seems to be body parts. We Mm -hmm. have eyes, arms, we now have hands as well.
2: Well, um... Oh, crap, I've forgotten her name. Peridot. Yeah. Um, (laughs) She calls them plug robonoids. Don't know why. I don't know what that means, but I noticed that she actually... She's yeah. like, Oh, you've been
0: destroying my plug robonoids. It's again Peridot giving like weird names to things that humans would be like toothpaste hand robot <laughs> <laughs> But she's like no plug robonoid. Mm. Um Peridot basically Skypes into this underground base. She just does like a video Skype call. And Garnet's like, please don't, you know, make yourself known. I'm telling you, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And Steven does it anyway, he just runs out to say hello.
2: Yeah, because Garnet saying we don't know these people, we don't know what they're capable of or what they're trying to do, so we shouldn't ask questions. And seems kind of like, but that seems like the reason we should ask questions. yes,' yeah. because yeah, it's worked out so well.
0: It uh, worked out well for him so far. This episode is find out what people want so that you don't have to guess what people want.
1: I think it is. It shows how different the threat is with Homeworld Gems. Is it just yeah. doesn't work out? Like, normally, Stephen kind of using his emotions and trying to form a connection does work. But here, he nearly gets crushed.
0: Oh, God, yeah. No, Peridot is very willing to just crush Mm Stephen with a fist. Um, Well, she crushed her own little toothpaste bots. mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Peridot does wonder if Stephen's have replaced humans (laughs) as the primary life form on Earth, which I thought was adorable. Yeah, she takes
3: (laughs)
2: Oh. <laughs> she says there's an infestation of Stevens. Yeah, it's,
0: it's like he's, he's an insect. Yeah. Not really a she, person. It, it says a lot because it tells us that humans are at this point an abstract concept to most gems from, from Homeworld. It's not mm. like gems actually know what humans are. It's just, yeah. They might be aware of humans as a as a word on a spreadsheet, mm. but they don't actually know humans as a species. Mm. Um, They're very distanced from them. And Also, we learned that the Crystal Gems are not common knowledge on Homeworld. Yeah, Clarida seems, like,
1: confused about what Crystal Gems should mean.
0: Yeah, my read on this is probably that while the the Crystal Gems were instrumental in a rebellion hundreds of years ago, at this point, new gems being created, like, they're probably not told anything about the Crystal Gems because Mm. the people at the top of society probably don't want... Word of a successful prior rebellion spreading. Yeah, like you don't teach people about like, oh yeah, there were like four gems and they they managed to rebel against the entirety of homeworld society because that tells homeworld hey all of us work together we could yeah. probably overthrow society. You don't want to tell them that, so you don't tell people about the crystal gems, which is why like I think they expected themselves to be thought of as a bigger deal. Yeah,
1: the way that like they talk about it, I do think it's kind of like, yes, we are the Crystal Gems, and Pearl, that's kind of like, I don't know what that
0: means. Yeah, the <laughs> the Crystal Gems, that is us, we are them. You have no clue who we are. I also find it interesting
2: that Pearl's the one who steps forward,
0: because mm. she's the one
2: who's most adamant on following Rosie's dream of yeah. keeping Earth
0: to protect it and whatnot. Mm. Yeah, so that's... That's everything I had to say about that episode. If any of you you've got anything else left, to I not. had a note
1: that um something that someone mentioned to our Twitter account before. Oh yes, which is that Paradox mentions that the Red Eye didn't report any jam activity, so calling back to the Red Eye that was in the sky, yes. that was sent by Paradox. Oh uh, yes, <laughs> this is the moment it's confirmed that. That's what that was back earlier on.
0: Yeah, and it was sent to try and scan for gems, but because it got destroyed, it didn't send didn't any report, report back. back. Yeah, it can't be that
3: good, can it? I mean, no. amethyst was repeatedly <laughs> flung into it, and it didn't pick anything up. <laughs>
1: Well,
2: maybe do. it has to be closer to transmit <laughs> the re- data it receives.
0: That's
1: I... the way I took it. They're like, yeah. it, it scans it, has the data, then goes back. So it had yeah, the yeah. data of like, Amethyst keeps smacking into me. Yeah, but like,
0: shouldn't <laughs> Peridot have maybe picked up on, we sent one of these red eyes out and this one didn't return, therefore there's something strong <laughs> enough to destroy a red eye on this planet. Possibly. Maybe we should investigate.
1: I guess it could speak to the... She really, really did not expect it to report anything back. Yeah. So it was kind of like a casual gesture. So Oh, it didn't report anything. Okay.
2: Unless it had like a list of tasks to do and it would report back once it had all of the information. Maybe. So she's just still waiting for it to come back. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'm making crap up here. Just ignore me. (laughs) It's fine. Um, Anything else?
3: Hmm. Possible conspiracy theory on the red eye, right? Let's see your theory. Bear with me. So... Uh, this is gonna be tenuous no no (laughs) (laughs) Yes. if we're theorizing that it has to be a certain distance etc so it was destroyed by rose's cannon yes which you would think would be something that was picked up on and even if it was we don't know that it was but even if it was peridot has ignored that information in favor of a more plausible explanation like something just broke it it didn't come back
1: Right? I could see that, yeah. yeah.
3: Which feeds in a lot to what we see later on with how the gems interact with other homeworld gems off Earth. Hmm. There's an awful lot of just, let's not talk about that bit. Or, oh, I don't really know what happened there because the diamonds have said so. Nobody actually knows what goes on on Earth at all. Hmm. Like, to the point where it's almost like it's been systematically sort of Risen erased. Out of the history bits, yeah. You and... know, like. You don't talk about this, we don't talk about this, nobody talks about this, and then the new generations of gems have just forgotten about it because you don't talk about... It's their equivalent of the kindergarten. Exactly. It's the place we don't
0: talk yeah. about.
3: See my tenuous linking here.
0: I see your tenuous linking. I like
3: that. That makes sense to me.
0: Great. Right. So with that, that's probably a good place for us to wrap up for this week. Um, we should probably do self-promotion and whatnot. Mia, where are you on the internet?
1: You can find me at OmiaGuard on Twitter. I'm also on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash MiaViolet.
2: Woo! Retta, where are you on the internet?
0: I'm super Reta,
2: like everywhere, so you can find me that way.
3: Woo! Wes, are you alright with people following you on the internet? Uh, yeah, you can have my Twitter if you like. There's nothing interesting on it, but it's uh, <laughs> fretting lemon underscore in the middle. Fretting underscore lemon? Yes. Yep.
0: Hooray! And you can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, As a heads up, next week we're only going to be talking about four episodes. We're talking about episodes 45, 46, 47, and 48. um, Because we're currently working around how to get as much of the season finale together as possible. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for watching, listening, whatever you do. (laughs) (laughs) Reading. Too many things. Bye. (laughs)